Welcome to Manager Tools. Soft Coaching, Running Meetings, Part 1. Here we go. This cast answers these questions. How do I help someone improve without the coaching model? What if I need more than feedback, but less than coaching? Is it okay to give lots of feedback at one time? Well, if you want answers to these questions and more, keep listening. Have you ever had a horrible boss? If you have, it is nowhere near the comedic adventure that the movie would lead you to believe it is. Having a bad boss feels less like a comedic farce and more like a horror movie. Register today at manager-tools.com forward slash training to join us for one of our effective manager conferences held internationally. We'll help you to not be the antagonist in your direct biography. Surprise, surprise, Mark. You can actually improve somebody's performance without fully coaching them. Of course, uh, you know, feedback would be part of that, I guess, but there's more here. Yeah. And actually, of course, like if Mike, if you were coaching me, you can't improve my performance. Only I can improve my <laughs> yeah. performance, but you can give me a framework that makes it easy for me to understand what I'm supposed to do and, and keep me posted on how I'm doing. Yeah. I still don't know whether you improve your performance or not, but that's, <laughs> yeah, exactly. that's for, for the most, most people listening, it's probably not a problem. You're lucky you didn't hire me, right? I mean, you, you can't say that you hired me. So I'm not against your, you know, your retention scores when you have to get rid of, get rid of me. I don't know if you recall our history, but actually I, I did hire you and I paid you lots of money to improve my organization. No, you you engaged my consulting firm. But at Manager Tools, I don't think we hired one another, did we? No, I don't think so. Yeah, enough. <laughs> lucky, lucky us. Yes. Some people don't have the time or the inclination. I find it odd, but I don't care. That's the behavior that they don't want to use the coaching model. They don't want to set a goal and so on. And so for years, I've been using this technique, and it wasn't until I suggested it to somebody a couple of months ago, I think in Washington, and they said, well, that's not really the coaching model. I said, no, it's not. It's just a way to, I'm just going to bury you in feedback. And the guy kind of laughed. I said, I don't, I don't mean that in a negative way. I'm just going to, okay, let me put it differently. I'm going to bathe you in feedback. I'm going to say, we're going to work on this area, and we're going to give you lots of feedback. He says, that's great. I love that. I'm going to start using that. I'm like, okay. I don't think of soft coaching and coaching as being a big difference. But if tens of thousands of managers in the world do, it'd be crazy for me not to share a technique I've been using for years in coaching executives. So six parts of the cast. First, we're going to say, well, okay, what is soft coaching? Then we're going to go through the steps. The first step is to gain agreement on your soft coaching with your direct. Uh, it's pretty simple. Next, you don't need to do brainstorming. You don't need to do goal setting, which will be a big plus, I think, for a lot of managers. Now, if you've done it 100 times, 500 times, it's no big deal, but sometimes you have to get over that hump. You can recommend additional resources for your direct to use, but it's not necessary. And the heart of the model is to suggest tasks that they do and then give them detailed feedback on those tasks. And that basically calls on the event-based feedback model. And uh, which we'll go over, folks, if you're not familiar with our events-based feedback uh, model. Those of you who are licensees, of course, in your show notes, you'll have a link to that cast, so you'll be able to find it easily. But we'll give you a high-level overview. And for those of you who get the high-level but really want more, as we've said many times and have trademarked the phrase, there's a cast for that uh, called event-based feedback, and you can go listen to it. And the last step is just to assess performance regularly. It's very easy when you set a goal to know we're not there. The beauty of goals is there's a, a bifurcation there. It's binomial, yes or no. It's digital, you know. Whereas if you don't set a goal, you, you have to check on how you're doing more frequently. 
Um, because the old saying, if you don't know where you're going, because you didn't set a goal, how are you going to know when you're getting there? Okay. So let's get into the crux of this thing. So what is soft coaching and how does it differ from our usual coaching model? It is coaching in the sense that uh, I, I should take all that back. This is a classic case when I tell people, you know, our casts that take 30 minutes that you listen to only take 30 minutes and 30 seconds to record because our audio engineer, Paul Figiani, doesn't go in and cut all that stuff out. Basically, one of the problems with the coaching model in general or communicating, talking about coaching is the vast divergence between what people think coaching means. You know, probably one of my favorite companies of all time, Walmart, in terms of how well they're managed, folks. When they say coaching, what they mean is sort of getting your butt chewed by your boss. That's not what we mean. <laughs> yeah, no. A lot of managers, when they say coaching, what they mean is sitting down with your direct for five minutes and say, you could do this better by doing this or that. It's very episodic or, or no, it's not even episodic. It's very targeted. It's one time. And, and that, that serves as their performance improvement. I do think a lot of what managers do, this is just my experience years ago and having coached hundreds and thousands or whatever that seeing them, the vast majority of managers are hamstrung by the fact that they don't think they know what they're doing. And that's a cloud over them, and it affects their ability to be positive or to try things and to be willing to experiment and to learn and to say to a direct, look, I'm going to try something. I'm not sure it's going to work, but dude, if we don't do anything, in three months, you're still going to be where you are now. So to me, the name soft coaching is a way to get the kind of improvement in a targeted area that our coaching model suggests is possible and proves is possible without going through the structure of the coaching model. Now, those of you who haven't listened to the coaching model, you're probably thinking, oh my gosh, it's terribly structured. It's not. There are four steps and you're really only involved in two and a half of them. And you can do your first two steps in five minutes and you can coach everybody on your team during their one-on-one -on -one every week. So if you think coaching is really burdensome and yet you can do it within an existing process, well, we have to talk about that. But basically, it's the idea of let's focus on a particular area and improve it at a slightly less intense, not that the coaching model is intense, uh, level than the coaching model. It basically means giving relatively high levels of feedback. And I say relatively because I don't mean high, like 20 or 30 a day, relatively high levels of feedback using the manager tools feedback model to a specific direct over a short period of time, maybe month, two, three to help them improve in a specific area. Rather than using the coaching model, which, which we recommend requires some goal setting, some brainstorming, and it probably requires, you know, we generally recommend not using it if you think someone can improve in an area in less than three months. So if it's gonna take six months for them to get there, assuming you understand the behavior you wanna change and so on, if it's gonna take less than three months, then you'd probably wanna consider using soft coaching. Soft coaching doesn't require a lot of planning or structure. It basically says, hey, look, dude, you need to get better in a certain area. I'm going to pay attention to you in that area in the coming weeks or, or maybe months uh, and give you lots of feedback around it to help you focus on it and improve in it. And for those of you who may not know us, when I say feedback, 
don't jump to the conclusion that I mean negative feedback. When I say feedback, when Mike and I say feedback, when my individual says feedback, we mean just feedback, positive or negative. And if your thought is feedback is essentially negative, my guess is then you're not achieving a high level of positive feedback. And negative feedback begins to lose its effectiveness if you don't mix it with positive feedback. Uh, you begin to destroy the trust, whatever level of trust you have with a direct. If the only way you give feedback is if it's negative. So look, a classic example of this would be, let's say you're a manager and you manage individual contributors, not, not other managers or supervisors or team leads or what have you. And they want, they want to learn to run meetings maybe before she can be given some project management responsibilities, right? The company says, hey, look, we the next step for her would be project management to lead her into the kind of things she has to deal with when she's a full-time manager. And you know full well that one of the things that other or people in your organization struggle with is they become a project manager and they don't understand the pieces that go with it, like running meetings or status reporting or potentially project management one-on-ones. And you say, well, let's piecemeal get her ready for that because she's super good at her job. I, I love her, but she's never managed a project before here across across functions. So one of the things I can do is in the next couple of months, I can get her good at running meetings. And that way, when she becomes project manager, she'll know how to run meetings. And everybody else will be struggling to run their meetings and look like fools. And she'll be in there like, no, no, no problem. I got this. So using the MT coaching model here would work great. But a lot of managers would say, eh, the full coaching model isn't really necessary and I want something simpler. And I will say this, I've had a conversation recently with a couple of people who said, you know, I finally have to do some coaching. And I kind of went, what? Coaching, if you're a baseball fan, I have a Dodger cap on as we're recording. Coaching is not a knuckleball. And if you don't know baseball, knuckleballs are very rare, only one or two or three or four pitches, pitchers more lately uh, in the big leagues throw knuckleballs. Coaching is fastball, curveball, slider, changeup. I mean, it's part of the core. It's part of the right back. It's part of the trinity. <laughs> Come on. That statement, like I, I finally have to do coaching. It's kind of like a football yeah. coach saying, ah, I kind of figured I finally have to start practices. <laughs> He's like, really? I guess I need to adopt this forward pass idea. I don't know. I, yeah, but here's the danger of that. If you're holding back on doing coaching and learning the model on small things, running meetings, giving presentations, uh, email communications, uh, meeting deadlines, relationships with a particular direct, or generally more broadly with the entire, building an external network, building an internal network, all of those kind of writing skills, what have you. If you're not using coaching for that, when you finally get somebody who doesn't click with you and they their performance declines and you suddenly realize, wow, I could see in six or nine months that this person could be at risk and you haven't used the tool very well. When you get to late stage coaching, and if you don't know what late stage coaching is, folks, it's what many companies would call a performance improvement plan. But the only time they tell you you should use this tool is when you're doing a performance improvement plan. And the only reason they're doing it in most cases is to document why they're going to fire somebody. Whereas our late stage coaching model says, don't fire them, save them because they're expensive and they're valuable and they're people. And if you've not used the coaching model and the first time you use it, you use it in late stage coaching, you're not going to be any good at it. And that your directs deserve better than that. Imagine if your boss said, I don't want to do this part of my job. 
And then at the, when suddenly you're at risk as a manager, your director, your boss says, oh, we have to do this. By the way, this is going to stink because I'm not very good at this. Like, what? It's part of your job. How can you not be good at it? So it's good to use the coaching model to develop experience with it. And it's risky if you don't. But look, in the example of running meetings, you don't have to wait for an opportunity to expose your direct to running meetings, right? You can just delegate running your meetings to her. And furthermore, if you delegate your meeting facilitation to her, I'll come back to that, you'll be there to get plenty of chances to provide fodder for the frequent feedback you're going to give her. I've said this to a few folks, and, and I, I've been getting some looks that suggest I should have said it 20 years ago. It's my fault. If you're running a meeting as a manager, you're having to do three things. You're having to run the meeting. Probably you want to provide content to the topics that are being discussed in the meeting. Ideas, suggestions, recommendations, challenges, disagreements, whatever. You're going to have opinions and you're going to have guidance and you're going to have directions and you're going to have maybe even commands for some people. Don't do X until you've told me that Y is done, as an example. You can do that as a manager. And then the third thing you ought to be doing, but some people are not, is observing how your directs interact with one another, who's respected, who's not, who's willing to behave in a way that's not respectful of meeting ground rules in front of you. Because if they're willing to do that in front of you, they're absolutely willing to be a pain in the butt to a bunch of their colleagues when part of your team is having a meeting. Of those three things, running a meeting, providing content to the professional efforts your team and you make, and observing your directs, which one is least important? Holy Toledo, it's running a meeting, as I like to tell people. A monkey could run a meeting. You don't need your level of knowledge and expertise to run a meeting. Why wouldn't you then delegate the running of meetings? You get the benefit of being able to focus on the two most important things, and your directs learn how to run meetings. Now, you might say, well, they don't want to get promoted, Mark. They don't want to be a project manager. It's fine. But there are times when you can't run your staff meeting. Should your staff meeting not exist when you're not around? I disagree. I think part of the purpose of a staff meeting, and there's a cast for that, running your staff meeting where we provide an agenda and so on, is for for your team to communicate with one another. I would be embarrassed if Mike and I weren't on our weekly operations call, which is more of an all-hands call than a staff meeting, and the meeting wasn't run efficiently. I would be mm -hmm. mortified. Right. We know that because we've been gone and the meeting went swimmingly, or at least we were told it was. Or better even, who knows? Yeah, better. Yeah. Yeah. I was in a, I was in a meeting at a nonprofit recently and the chair of the meeting said, I wasn't here last month and I'm told that meeting ran better. And so I'm going to try harder to run my meetings better. And there were several eye rolls. Involved. Well done. Well, I think that's good. Yeah. All right. So. First step in the process, now that we've defined it, we're going to gain agreement with our direct about doing some soft coaching. Again, soft coaching is less involved than regular coaching, but it is more intense than quotidian feedback delivery that's sort of on different topics at different times. And there's no real systematic, in a normal day-to-day -day experience, there's no real systematic, thematic approach to feedback. It is just, I'm going to get a chance to observe and or measure your performance. And when it's good, I'm going to tell you. And when it's not good, I'm going to tell you. 
the manager is literally the performance microphone of the organization to a direct of theirs. And so it's been our experience that if you do soft coaching, you will start giving two or three or even five times as much feedback as a normal manager would and largely focused on one particular area. If that's the case, it works best to get agreement from your direct to start a soft coaching effort, just like you would with regular coaching. If you don't, I mean, just, just do the thought experiment in your head. You don't, you don't talk to them. You just say, okay, I'm going to start giving them a lot more feedback in this area. And then they'll magically get better. And I don't have to have a conversation with them or anything because they're just going to love it. And they're going to feel great about themselves because like, oh, look at this. Look at all the attention I'm getting from my boss. Exactly. It's awesome. Yes. <laughs> and they're telling me everything I'm doing wrong. It's awesome. Yeah. Amazing. Your director's going to notice and they're going to say, why is my boss all of a sudden really focusing on me, picking on me? building a case against me in this area. Dude, I, I've seen an executive make a decision that they were they were going to groom somebody for a promotion to become a director. And the, and the senior manager started getting lots and lots of more feedback, more critical, like trying, oh, to, yeah, sure. trying, to get, trying to get her up to a point where she could step up into a, an executive meeting and hold her own. And this went on for a couple of months. And Instead of feeling like she was being groomed, she thought oh, she no. was getting ready to be fired. It was absolutely. We don't make this stuff up. It happens. How how could that possibly happen? Yeah, it does. That is the manager not understanding the role power differential. It, it reminds me of the phrase I ask every time I give a presentation and we talk about effective management. Hey, have you ever had the experience of going down to your direct's desk? You were getting ready to send an email or a text and you look over and you see they're at their desk and you figure, okay, I'll just go over and say, hey. And you walk over and say, hey, do you have a minute? What do your directs almost always say? They all say, yeah, sure. And then my answer is, it's not because you're awesome. <laughs> it's because you have role power, right? And, and the scotoma that managers have, the blind spot that managers have regarding how their directs see them versus how the manager sees themselves. And it's a classic case, psychologically, this is Psych 101. We judge other people on their behaviors, but we judge ourselves based on our intent. So because our intent is good always, therefore, we're always able to let ourselves off the hook. And I would argue that is a potentially a learned or process of mankind that without that life would be more nasty brutish and short and because we judge other people by their behavior we don't give them the credit for intent even though we do have a cast called assuming positive intent and so the boss says i'm doing it for good reason so why wouldn't they like me suddenly paying attention to them <laughs> yeah. and when you say it like that it's like oh yeah okay i get it so we tell folks yeah, exactly. In your next one-on-one, -on -one, ask the direct if she agrees with the idea of soft coaching in this area of performance. Here's how it might sound. Hey, dude, I noticed you stumbled a bit when I turned over my staff meeting to you last week because I had to step out. I'm guessing you don't have confidence or experience running meetings. I, you know, it occurs to me I've never asked you to do it. Maybe I assumed other bosses had, but maybe not. It's okay. I'm certain you could get quite good at it, though, pretty quickly with some attention being paid. I think it'd be a good idea for us to do some soft coaching on running meetings. What do you say? Now, guys, if you can't imagine your direct agreeing to that and you're not doing one-on-ones right now, and so therefore you're in your head convincing yourself 
how you could convince me and Mike that, no, that's not going to happen. Dude, you're not going to win that argument. And the reason why is there's some assumptions here, to be fair to those of you who may be new listeners. And that assumption is you're probably not going to have this conversation unless you've built up a relationship of trust with your direct. If you don't know how to do that, go back and listen to our Manager Tools Basics podcast where we talk about one-on-ones and feedback and coaching, delegation, and so on. That said, I actually do think there are plenty of managers who don't know anything about the Trinity, but actually could do this because they naturally have developed a good relationship. They don't really use one-on-ones, but they know that I'd rather have a good relationship with my directs than bad because I don't want to go home and have crappy nights and weekends because I'm miserable in my job. So we understand those of you who say, oh, my directs would never say yes. If that's the case, the problem is not soft coaching. The problem is your relationship with your directs. And we have cash for that. Now, you'll notice, though, that this is still an ask. It's not a command. It's almost always better to gain agreement from your direct when we're going to be focusing on their performance beyond normal interactions and frequency and intensity. So I don't need a direct to sign a formal document saying, I accept that my manager is going to use the feedback model the manager tools feedback model, to talk to me about my performance. The organization essentially says, whether you realize it or not, it doesn't matter. It's a um, If you break a law that you don't know exists, you're still guilty of breaking the law. So in organizational life, the moment you accept a job, you accept the idea that you're obligated to receive performance communications about your performance. Otherwise, the organization will not survive, will not be sustained. The person who's going to have to deliver that to you, by definition, is your manager, although technically anyone higher ranking than you could. And please don't argue with us right now about vertical structure of organizations. If you're thinking, oh, I don't, that's why I don't want vertical, because somebody else the ability to give me feedback, you're never going to create a highly successful, completely flat organization that magnifies human potential. You can create a flat organization. Just having an organization isn't important. What's important is the magnification efforts of human abilities and achievements and productivity through the structure of an organization. And most sociologists will tell you the greatest achievement of mankind is large organizations. So you're going to have to get feedback. And so therefore, you have no defense against that. But a manager who wants to give you more intense feedback in a particular area, it makes a lot of sense for us to ask, okay? Mm -hmm. Now, I said intense, but folks, you just can't, you're never going to be able to convince me that soft coaching is more intense. And if you have somebody say, ooh, that sounds really intense, say no. You know, intense is getting shot at, okay? Intense is a car wreck. Intense is holding your kid's hand and when you let go, turning around and not seeing them for a second. That's intense, Intense is not, I'm going to give you four or five bits of feedback in a pleasant tone of voice after you try to accomplish a task because I care about your performance and I want you to do better. It's not intense. And frankly, think about it this way, guys. If you're familiar with our, our, our teachings on feedback, even when we recommend you give one piece of feedback all by itself, we still recommend you ask permission to do so. Okay. So, the conceptual issue here is that we recommend you use relationship power and relationships rely on agreements and understanding and trust rather than role power, which generally relies on commands and consequences. 
And as any experienced, any experienced MT listener knows, relationship power leads to commitment energy, whereas role power leads to compliance energy. And high performance is never achieved through compliance energy. It's always achieved through commitment energy. If we're suddenly going to start giving more feedback to a direct, that means they're going to be getting more negative feedback in there as well. And so it's better to do that from a position of trust. Now, why wouldn't a manager want to gain agreement from a direct in an effort to improve their performance in a certain area, right? Why wouldn't you? I mean, hopefully we've just convinced you, but even if we have it at some level, you're probably going, yeah, ideally, if I'm going to help somebody try to get better, let's, let's be in agreement before we get started down this road. It's a bit like choosing your worst enemy to go on a cross-country road trip with. No, you probably wouldn't do that. You'd rather choose somebody you generally trust and have a good relationship with and can reach agreement with on things. Now, we typically hear two answers to the question of why managers wouldn't want to gain agreement. The reasonable answer is, the one that I we understand and respect is, what if I'm focusing on them because their performance is putting their employment with us at risk? I mean, they're in serious, like we're talking about late stage coaching. Can I be sure that the direct understands that when I asked to coach, or maybe even to soft coach them if you're not there yet, if they say no, can, can I be sure that they understand that when they say no, they are choosing because I've asked, if I ask, then I'm giving them a choice. They're putting their performance, they're putting their job at risk in the short to medium, certainly to the long term. So in this example, managers say, well, the reason I don't want agreement is because I'm obligated to keep them. And, and in this case, it's not that the manager doesn't want agreement. Perhaps he's even asked, but, but rather the direct refuses to give it. And the underlying fear around this is well-placed. A, ma- a manager oughtn't rely on l- relationship power alone if the direct's job is at risk. If you lost somebody because you kept asking them to do better and they didn't, that wouldn't look well on your managerial scorecard. The expectation is if you're asking, if you've done a reasonable effort of building trust and you've asked and the direct is saying no and saying no and saying no, then you're going to start saying, okay. Unfortunately, I do have the authority to tell you, you need to be at this place at this time, and we're going to agree to these things, and you're going to sign this document. Now, if the direct chooses to resign, that's one thing. But essentially what happens in many of the late-stage coaching model situations is the direct is forced to make a choice, and the direct either refuses to play, which is documented, or they choose to play, and then we have lots of feedback, lots of data on how they do. Or if they choose not to play because we ask, we start documenting all the things we're telling them to do that they don't do, and that just accelerates their end, which if, in fact, they're not compliant, not uh, in a professional relationship where there's an understanding that work has to be done here and they have a responsibility to get the work done, the massive increase in the amount of failures they have essentially accelerates their departure. And that's good for the organization if they're not willing to honor the commitments they made when they joined the organization. So it probably wouldn't apply that a direct's job is in at risk. If you, if you were thinking about using soft coaching, typically that would be something where you want to do coaching. And the reason for that is coaching gives you a chance to keep track of a series of tasks and measure whether or not they're achieved. And if a direct is been written off by everybody else, but you're coaching them and they have 24 weeks in a row of doing everything you asked for them, and you can show an improvement in their area. Not many HR organizations would say, get rid of them. 
If there is measured improvement, right. and by the way, that doesn't just mean I feel she's getting better, but look at all the stuff she's done. Here are my notes from 24 weeks worth of one-on-ones. Look at all the stuff she's done. She's done this, she's done this, she's done this, she's done this. That literally throws in the face of somebody who wants to get rid of somebody the whole idea of a performance improvement plan, which is often used to get rid of somebody because it gathers data on their failure. You've been gathering data on their success. So even though it wouldn't apply to soft coaching, that's relative. I think that's relevant to our discussion about soft coaching as part of the performance improvement continuum that exists for most managers. To some degree, the managers are obligated to get results. And if you didn't use role power, you know, it'd be a dereliction. So if there's a potential risk of termination, it'd be absolutely reasonable for a manager to insist in other words, to soft coach or coach or direct who will not give the ask for agreement. So that would be a reason why you would say, I don't want to ask, or I asked and they said no, so should I not soft coach? The other reason that managers give us is slightly less compelling. The manager just wants to use role power rather than relationship power to coach direct. Maybe there's no relationship. Maybe the manager hasn't invested the time in building trust. It happens. Maybe the manager isn't invested in the direct success. Embarrassing, but it happens. Regardless, asking for agreement risks agreement being denied. And that's a risk a lot of managers, in my estimation, too many, but it's an individual decision that many managers aren't willing to take, and mistakenly. Um, If you have that one, I'm not going to try to overcome it. I'm just going to tell you, you're wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Because otherwise, this cast is going to be two hours long. It's already over a half an hour, so... This is a good point to stop and pick this up again next week. What do you think? Good. Can do. All right, my friend. This is, uh, this is good. Can't wait to do the next part. Yeah, good. Talk to you then, partner. That's it, everyone. Have a great one. So long. <laughs>